Warning, this podcast will challenge your thinking. Welcome to Business Problems Solved. In this podcast, we help you solve your business problems by providing real examples and practical approaches to make today better than yesterday. Introducing your host, the multi-sector, self-professed, most improved improvement person and qualified business problem solver, Lee Horton. Hey, it's Lee. Welcome to Business Problem Solved. Today, I'm well excited to bring you a, a guest that uh, that you may not be aware of, you may be aware of, um, but what I would like to do is just hand over to Sonia. So um, I don't know how well you know British TV, Sonia, but in um, in in England, there's, there used to be a TV program called Blind Date. And on Blind Date, when they introduced the guests on Blind Date, they said, what's your name and where do you come from? So, uh, so I'd like you to tell us what's your name and, and where do you come from, please, Sonia? Oh, so my name is Sonia Looney, and I'm originally from the United States, but now I live in Canada, so I'm becoming part of your commonwealth. Yeah. <laughs> and I do a lot of different things. It's a really interesting question when people ask me what I do, because number one, I'm a pro mountain biker, and I've been racing mountain bikes for 15 years. Um, I'm a world champion. I've raced in 25 plus countries. But from mountain biking, all these little businesses have evolved. So uh, I'm a freelance writer. I'm a podcaster. I've I've had my own show for two and a half years about high performance living. I own. I started and own my own apparel brand. Um, I'm also a keynote speaker. Wow. Uh, and I'm also working on my first book. So I definitely stay busy. Oh wow! It, it might have been easier to ask you what do you not do. <laughs> uh, relax. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> so that that's a that's a wide, varied number of activities. Um, I'd. How, how did you get to sit in that seat today? And how did you kind of, um, how did you join all of these things together? Where, where did it all begin? And and, and how how did you get to doing all of those those random things? Or are, are they all connected? Well, it's pretty interesting. Um, if you looked at my background, you would never guess, and I would never guess that I would be where I am today. I have my master's degree in electrical engineering, and that is what I did um, wow. for a long time. And I got into bike racing yeah, at the end of school. So my path was kind of laid out as an engineer and I ended up working for a, and I, I didn't really like it to be honest. Um, but I had started working for a startup, uh, solar engineering company in Boulder, Colorado, where I learned that I was really interested in marketing and really interested in business and not so much in the engineering side of things, even though I had spent, you know, six years <laughs> in college doing that. Yeah. <laughs> and I had also been writing a blog about my bike racing adventures. And, and so writing was something that I've always loved and I was just doing it for fun. And a team I got on gave me this backpack. Like they, you're, you're as a sponsored athlete, you get products and you get, um, you, some, sometimes you get money if you're, if you're lucky. Yeah. But I, I wrote a review <laughs> of the backpack on my website and it sent so much traffic to this company's uh, website and people were making purchases. This was like in 2007, 2008, um, that the company contacted me and they put me on their European team. And eventually they offered me a job as national sales and marketing manager. And they were also a oh, small wow. business. So that was a pretty large pivot from, you know, being an engineer at a startup to changing over and being national sales and marketing manager. And I think the important takeaway for the audience here is that People would, could say to me, well, you had no qualification. You'd never taken a marketing class in your life. Like your background was in, in engineering. So you should say no, because how are you going to do this job? But being willing to figure it out as you go and just saying, I'm going to do it and I'm just going to figure it out, I think is really key. So that's what I did. 
And that enabled me to travel around the United States and help build this brand. So I learned about building a brand at this time. And meanwhile, I was, you know, racing more and more and the, the online landscape was evolving. Like I was a blogger. I started pitching my stories to magazines. So I became a features writer for a bunch of different magazines and doing social media. And I was on that team and working that job for about five years. And then um, I had sponsors approaching me wanting to give me like money. And I thought, okay, like this is pretty cool because most pro mountain bikers don't make any money. And so now I want people wanted to pay me, but I had to make another pivot. I had to quit my job and I had to quit my team to go on my own and write all my own proposals, negotiate every single contract, all the money, like do everything on my own. And I had, I did have to quit my job to do that. So that was a big, uh, it was like a risk, but it felt like something that I really had to do. And it was again, one of those things where I, I had to just believe that I could figure it out as I went. So I did that about, that was like another five years ago or so. And all of these things just kind of started evolving. Um, the writing kind of just became more and more. And I got, I did that just by pitching. Uh, when I was traveling around the United States, I also like, I really love helping people. So I started my own mentorship speaking series. So every time I would go somewhere, I would book a venue and I, I do it for free and people could just come ask me questions and I could just be a mentor for people who are interested in cycling. But that always, but that always evolved into more of like, people just wanted to hear like life lessons because I've done all these like crazy races. I've raced in like Nepal and Sri Lanka and Haiti and, and, and Africa, like Sahara desert. So, so people wanted to hear about that. And that sort of just started evolving into more like motivational speaking. And that's what people wanted from me. So, um, I put a speaker tab on my website and then I started getting contacted by conferences that wanted to pay me to come speak at their conferences. And then I thought, well, maybe I'll just do a Ted talk too. So I applied to do a Ted talk and I got accepted. So I got to do a Ted talk. And so the, the speaking kind of birthed the podcast, which I've been doing for two and a half years. And then long story long, last, last portion is the starting of the apparel brand. So I have been doing lots of co-branded products with my sponsors where I got to create the design and then they would deal with making the product, selling the product, all of those things. But I was basically just kind of giving my designs away. And I realized, wow, like people actually like my designs. So maybe I'll just start my own business and see what happens with that. So that's been about a year and a half and it's been really fun to, to do that. And the brand is called Moxie and Grit. So that's kind of how I wow. got to where I am in like a rapid fire. <laughs> Yeah. Well, what, what, what do you want to be when you grow up? I don't I mean, know. It's, it's, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a really exciting journey and, and it could take, there's all sorts of different pivots that you could make based on everything that you're doing now, isn't there? Um, that's really, really exciting. So what's next for you? The, the book, did you say? Is that, yeah, the, bu is that the book's been really written? hard because I have all these projects I'm working on and I, I'm also still training and racing as a full-time professional athlete. So creating the time and then anyone who's a writer understands like, and who's written like the art of war by Stephen Pressfield, it's hard to get started. And like, you want to get started, but that, that like resistance to getting started is really hard. So I'm trying to create a routine around writing, but I travel all the time too. And it sounds like a bunch of excuses, which it kind of is. So <laughs> basically I just need to get my button gear and just make a commitment and do it. Uh, but yeah, I'm excited about that. It was what, what, what's the subject for the book? Uh, it's about mental toughness. Oh, wow. Okay. Okay. Good. So, so is it, is it your journey? Is it, is it some of the, 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 the tales and the stories from, from your, 
um, journey? Yeah, it's basically a lot of the things that I speak about. Um, I think it's important when you're starting a business or growing your business to think like, okay, there's things that I think are important, but what is my purpose here? Like, what do people want from me? And you can really see that by looking at the questions people ask you or like why people are, are, are reaching out or following you and then giving the people what they want because that's why they're there. Yeah, no, okay, fantastic. When's the book out? Uh, I have no idea. <laughs> uh, I saw, I'm gonna, I, like, it's interesting with, with writing. So there's a lot of different ways you can go. Um, you can write an outline in a couple sample chapters. You can self-publish. You can find um, a literary agent who's going to shop your book around for you and then get a book advance and then finish the book. Um, for me, my process, like I, I've had publishers reach out to me, but I think for my, my process, it's better for me to just write the entire book and then deal with it afterwards because I feel like the pressure of a publisher or a deadline, like maybe I need that to get in gear to get this thing done, who knows, but I feel like I don't want my creative process to be um, altered by like somebody else's rules. Yeah, okay, no, fantastic. So you've got a whole host of things that you do. So athlete, world champion, podcaster, speaker, writer, content creator, and, and uh, business owner as well. Um, which, what do you do best? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I would say that, like the bike racing, I've been doing that a long time and um, definitely hold a spot in the top of the world for being an endurance racer. But I would say, uh, yeah, in general, like the whole general underlying purpose of all the things I do is to help people be better and to inspire them to um, to want to grow. And I'd say that that is what I do best. It just, everybody wants to receive these receive information or messages in a different way. So I think I do best by having diverse ways of getting people to do the thing that they've always wanted to do. And that's probably the most, that's the most rewarding thing about what I do is like, I get to help people achieve the things that they've always wanted to achieve. And getting those emails from people is the most rewarding thing, far surpassing any, any race results I've had, far surpassing the excitement of um, having people buy a product. Like really changing people's lives is, is really powerful. And it really makes you feel fulfilled. Yeah. So being a world champion um, mountain biker, was that was that a goal that you set yourself? And and have you achieved your mountain biking um, goals now? Is that, or have you got more to more to achieve? Uh, yeah, that's a really good question, Lee. Because I I actually feel like I have happily achieved everything that I've wanted to achieve in mountain biking. I far surpassed any expectation that I have for myself. But I love racing, so it, it kind of takes away the pressure a little bit of, oh, I have to win more races because another race win is, is, is lovely. And I work hard for race wins, and I, I love being competitive. Um, but the racing is a really great vehicle for me to tell stories and connect with people on a different level. So that, that's why I love racing. And I love – I might switch disciplines. Um, there's lots of different types of mountain bike racing. And taking on new challenges is also really interesting to me, but it's also, um, it's also interesting because I would be signing up to not do well for a little while because there's a learning curve with different disciplines in cycling. Yeah. Okay. So a world champion, uh, mountain biker, you are, what, what, what makes a world champion, uh, inspirational person? So do you have goals that you want to achieve, um, with what you're doing with your, your motivational stuff and your inspirational stuff? Do you have particular things that you're aiming for with that number of people touched or, or whatever it is yes and no um i've been a big goal setter my whole life and i found that recently if i put 
a goal or a number on something like, oh, I want to be, you know, this many podcast downloads or this many followers on Facebook, that can be a real source of unhappiness because some of that you, some of that you have control over, but a lot of it you don't have control over. So I actually set process oriented goals instead of numerical outcome goals, because a lot of times we're really unhappy if we don't meet those goals. And I found that my motivation is better if I, if I set a process goal. So um, a way to improve my podcast or a way to grow the podcast without setting like it has to be this number. Some people need those, those hard numbers, but even as a racer, you could say, well, I want to win this race on this day. But there's a lot of other variables. Like you can only control your own effort and your own preparation. And sometimes there's people that are just better than you and it's, and you, and you don't win and like, that's okay too, but it's hard to come to terms with that sometimes. So really focusing on your own, um, efforts and actions and being your best that you can be and working on growth instead of just trying to say, I'm going to be X. I think, I think it, that contributes to longevity in a lot of things too. Yeah, so is, is your definition of success to get better um, rather than achieve, to get better at something, whatever, whatever it be, or, or rather than achieving a, a set metric? Is that, is that what I've understood from what you've just said? Yes, and actually my TED Talk was about how to define success. And, and I did that several, I wish I could redo my TED Talk because <laughs> I, think, I think it's a really good TED Talk, but my speaking has improved so much that, I always want to just go back and improve that. But yeah, I said success is doing my best and putting myself out there and taking risks and going for the thing that's a big, scary dream and, and seeing what happens. Because again, you can't control the outcome, but you can control like signing up for something or giving something a try. And those things are what change your life, not the outcome of what happened. Yeah. What, so when you've, uh, when you've given your TED Talk and you spoke about uh, what success is, have you had any, um, an emotive story that's kind of got you to, to really resonate with, with that for you personally? Uh, you mean the content of my TED Talk? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So, the, the, when, you're, when you've defined what success is and it's about getting better, um, have you had a story that you've linked to that? Because so, one, one thing that, um, one thing that I, I like to have a, have a chat about is about um, words aren't as, as powerful as pictures and pictures aren't as powerful as, as emotions. So for you to get your point across in, in the TED Talk, did you have an emotive story um, that's kind of that, that resonated with the audience that was about your definition of success? Definitely. So my TED Talk was about going to Nepal and taking on a 10-day mountain bike stage race in the Himalaya, and it's the highest altitude mountain bike race in the world, topping out at 17,769 feet. And no woman had ever done it. Like no woman had ever finished. There had been people who have attempted and no woman had ever finished this race. So at that time, you know, I think this was in, gosh, like maybe 2011, whenever I first went. And at that time I was pretty new to endurance racing. I had been doing like shorter races and I hadn't really done any like crazy travel and going to Nepal is uh, really different from here. And it's it, to date, it's still my favorite country that I've ever traveled to. So it was way outside my comfort zone and taking on um, a race of that magnitude. Like it's really remote. Like if something happens to you out there, like there's no one there who's going to rescue you. There's no car that you could climb into. Like you have to be a hundred percent self-sufficient. And even if you get sick, like if something happens, you have to go back by yourself to Kathmandu and figure it out. So that was pretty scary. 
And also the altitude sickness part, um, altitude sickness can affect anybody. Like even people who have climbed Everest could go back to Everest the next year and get altitude sickness. Cause it's, it's really, we don't really understand it very well, but it could kill you. So <laughs> I was worried about that. Um, and what ended up happening. So my goal obviously was to finish this race and be the first woman to do it. Um, and what happens is like, people don't do product testing for bike equipment at 18,000 feet because nobody goes up to 18,000 feet on a mountain bike. Like why? So, uh, my brakes on mountain bikes, we have hydraulic disc brakes, just like a car. And the seals had not been tested under the pressure of 18,000 feet. So the oil came out and both of the brakes had failed completely. There's no bike shops out there. Like <laughs> you're in the middle of nowhere. So I had to walk my bike for like seven hours to get to the finish line. And then it wasn't looking like I would be able to start and finish the last day of the race. So, um, so yeah, I, I don't know what came over me at this time, but I started crying and I was like really mad and it was really like really raw and really vulnerable, but I pulled out my camera and took a video of myself and that's in my Ted talk. So it's in that moment where I had to say, okay, like my goal was this, but to finish, but what is success to me? Like I've come so far, just even showing up to this thing and getting to day nine and a half. Like I've already grown so much. Like my, my confidence is really different. Um, my worldview is really different. So that, that is a success. And even though it didn't turn out how I was hoping it was a success. And then the funny thing that happened was, um, well, it's not funny for my friend, but my friend was at the race and he got really sick and his bike was carried down from 18,000 feet and he had one working brake on his bike. So I was able to actually take his brake, put it on my bike and finish the next day. So I actually was the first woman to finish the race. And then I went back and then I went back the next year and did it again because I wanted to, um, you know, make sure that wasn't a fluke and to have, see what the experience was like whenever you have previous experience, because whenever you are doing a new challenge, it's really scary the first time. But whenever you do it again, having that previous experience to fall back on makes it seem not as big of a deal. And that's the important thing about taking on lots of new challenges because you start taking on more and more because confidence comes from little steps of seeing what you're capable of and realizing that, hey, like I can actually do a little bit more. I just have to be willing to put myself out there and try. Yeah. So I if you, are you, so confidence and kind of are you seeing like overcoming fear as well as like taking little steps is that what is that yeah is, yeah okay and like okay. people ask us a lot about mountain biking because they'll see people like riding off cliffs or going down like these crazy rock faces and people say like well especially you know more beginner mountain bikers they say well how do i like get better and you don't just go right off the cliff like you ride off something that's like that you're 90% comfortable with and then your your comfort zone expands and then you just you work up to the big things and it's like that with anything you start working up to the bigger things by taking on smaller things and building the you know building up your pyramid as to what you can do yeah how do you stay motivated um i think that motivation is deeply linked to purpose and having a strong sense of purpose and why you're doing something especially a purpose greater than yourself um, that helps with longevity, but it's, it's, if you, if you have a purpose that is linked to yourself, it's okay. Like, I think that there's a journey, like whenever I was a new pro, I wanted to prove to people that I was good enough and that I wanted people to like me. And, um, it was hundred percent selfish trying to prove myself. But once I didn't feel like I had to prove myself anymore, 
it got a lot easier to, um, kind of be about something else instead of about just trying to show that I was good. And I think that's part of a lot of people's journey, especially because man, with the way that the world is now, like we're always comparing ourselves and comparison is, is it could be helpful, but it could also be the root of a lot of unhappiness. So if you can get comfortable in your own skin as much as possible. And if that's, that's life's work. Like you're never going to all of a sudden be like, Oh, I'm, I'm good now. But like getting comfortable with who you are and then trying to just extend that beyond yourself. I think that helps you stay motivated. Yeah. Wow. Wow. So this podcast is called business problem solve. What do you think is the number one business? Uh, one, what do you think is the number one problem in business that needs solving at the minute? I think that there's two things. Um, the first thing is getting started. Uh, I've, I'm, I'm super stoked when people reach out to me and they say, how do I get started on a podcast or how do I start my own apparel business and getting started, uh, can be really paralyzing and there's so many options. You don't know which one to choose or like, what if this doesn't work out or what if I invest all this money and like the getting started part is hard. So making a small commitment, um, and also telling yourself like, Hey, I don't have to do this forever. If I start down this path and I don't like it, I can always go back or I can do something different. So creating an environment and also like reaching out to people so that you can get started, um, is really key. And also realizing that whenever you get started down a path, the path is going to change. So it might not actually look the way that you thought it was going to look, but it's going to, it's going to look different and that's okay too. The second problem, um, and this is kind of something I'm personally learning about now, is scaling your business because there comes a part, there comes a time where it can't be just you anymore. Like you, you physically and literally cannot do it all, and you have to start hiring people, and that requires like not paying yourself as much because you need to reinvest back in your business. So knowing like how much do I reinvest and and understanding like, how do I build a team and what characteristics should I look for whenever I'm hiring people and how do I delegate tasks and how do I explain what I want? Um, that's, that's a challenge. And I feel like in a lot of business masterminds, the scaling of a business yeah. is not talked about enough and it's, it's hard. It's, it's not an easy thing. Yeah. So, um, you, you offer a lot of advice, uh, you support a lot of people, but what's the worst advice you've been given? Uh, to quit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or, or, um, people sometimes tell me like, like this is a, this back to the scaling thing. Like I've, I've actually reached out to people saying, um, and maybe, maybe I should listen to this advice. I don't know. Saying like, Oh, I'm really struggling because I have all these different moving parts to my business and I feel overwhelmed. Well, people say, well, maybe you should just focus on doing less. Like don't do as many different little projects, like focus on one or two projects. But I actually don't agree with that. I think that that's that is the crux of scaling. Like whenever you have a lot a lot of different things happening, no matter what your business is, there is a point where you need to hire people. So I think the advice should have been, you either need to do less or you need to hire people and reinvest big time back in your business. So yeah, don't quit, but just try and figure out like how to scale. But if you hate it or it's not working out and you don't like it or you think that this is a dead end. Yeah. It is okay to quit. Got you, got you. Okay, no, perfect. Thank you. So I'm, I've spoke to a number of people um, over the last few weeks uh, at the at the place I work, um, at the in the contract I'm on, and also uh, a couple of guests on the on the podcast as well about um, about the power of the. Do you know that, that little voice in your head? Uh, it, it sometimes can help you, and sometimes can hinder you. Do you do you talk about the 
the, the self-talk and the and the the importance of that voice in your head and how is has that helped you or hindered you in becoming a world champion and all of these th- these different things that that you're on with at the minute I think the interesting thing is that there's multiple voices in our heads. Okay. Um, there's there's the the self-critical voice that tells you you're not good enough or this is stupid or that um, starts taking a situation and then blowing it up into this negative ruminating thing that you can't stop thinking about. There's also the voice in your head that tells you keep going. So if it, it's like, what voice are you going to listen to? And this is a, a great um, time to tell this parable and I'm probably going to butcher it a little bit, but it's a Cherokee parable about two wolves. And there's a grandfather sitting around a campfire with his son. And the grandfather says, says grandson, there, there's two wolves in our lives. One wolf is a, the bad wolf. It's, it's negativity, greed, jealousy, resentment, um, all the bad things. The other wolf is the good wolf. It's positivity. It's inclusiveness. It's, um, it's generosity and each wolf is, is fighting and fighting in your head. And the grandson says, well, which wolf wins grandpa? And the grandpa says, whichever wolf you feed. So I think it's important to, to really be, be aware of what voice you're listening to. And I think that mindfulness and meditation is really an important way to start discerning what are the voices in my head telling me? And what are the stories I'm telling myself? Because there's a space between thoughts and reaction and our thoughts and perceptions are what create our reality. So if you're allowing yourself to listen to um, the negative voice inside your head all the time, it's going to create this different reality. So spending time uh, trying to reframe, like you don't have to be like falsely positive, but just just being aware and accepting that the negative emotions are there, but not having to like let them take you for a ride, I think is really key. Yeah. Cool. Okay. What What's the biggest challenge that you've had? Is it Is it the uh, Is it the the story that you told before? Um, uh, on, the, on On the bike is that Is that the biggest challenge you've had? No, the biggest challenge I've had is burnout. Um, I tend to be. <laughs> I'm sure your listeners can relate. I tend to be a, a go getter. Like, and I have a lot. I have a lot of energy, and I just want to do everything and say yes to everything. And I try, I've tried to do everything. And that results in you not producing as good of work. Uh, I would say last year was my worst year I had of burnout and I've learned a lot from it. But when you're burned out, you actually don't like what you're doing anymore. (laughs) And um, it's realizing the difference between like, should I quit or am I just burned out? And also you get sick a lot, you're exhausted. Like, I think rest is important for your brain. Um, and for me as an athlete, I would say, well, if I'm not training, I, I can like, if it's, it's a rest day, I can just work harder. I can work a 12 or a 15 hour day, or I'll work like 10 hours a day and train full time as an athlete. And you can only do that for a very short period of time before it starts catching up with you. So the, the hardest thing, the biggest lesson is trying to figure out where that limit is for me so that I can be my most productive and my most creative and fast on my bike and also not feel guilty for not working every single second. And do you know the different times of the day that you are the most productive? Or is it is it different every day dependent upon what you're doing? It really is dependent. I, I think it, it's this is an easier question to solve if you're not um, a full-time athlete. <laughs> because, yeah, training and racing, especially internationally, takes a toll on your body. So, like, I, I uh, when I'm in, in a, a good training season, I'm training, like, 15 hours a week or so. And it's not just like just going out and chilling. It's like 
structured interval training. It's going to races on the weekend or, or traveling across the world to like a seven day or a 10 day race and putting it all out on the line. So when you get home, you're exhausted. Um, so I don't really have a time of day where I'm most productive, but I just try and, and, and then like, where do you put your energy? Do you go out? So like on days I have key workouts, if I'm feeling really good and energetic, I put that energy into my workout so that I can have the best training possible. But that might mean that my creativity or my um, productivity suffers a little bit for work-related projects. But most, um, most pro athletes don't try to do all the things that I'm doing. They, they try and have different seasons in their life where they're going to be a pro athlete and then one day they're going to do something else. But I'm a lifelong athlete. Like I'm not planning. I've been racing 15 years. I'm not planning on retiring anytime soon. So it's, it's finding the right intentional imbalance, um, in the different times of year where I'm going to be really focused on being a pro athlete at this time of year. And I'm going to be really focused on growing my business on this time of year. And again, hiring somebody or a couple of people has been massively helpful because it helps the business keep, keep growing and running whenever I really want to focus on training. Do, do you have any time for Sonia? Um, yourself or or is is it because you've got such a passion in this that this is actually time for yourself as well does that make sense yeah this yeah I'd say that all of this is Sonia time I'm I'm very happy whenever I'm working or learning or riding my bike like those things I'm fortunate that all those things as long as I'm not doing it um, way too much are what make me really happy and back to the burnout example like I'm so fortunate that I get to do my passion for what for what, for work, but say you're passionate about chocolate cake and you love chocolate cake and you're like, sweet, I'm just going to eat all this chocolate cake. I'm going to eat, I'm going to eat 10 chocolate cakes today. Well, there's a certain point where the chocolate cake isn't going to be good anymore and it's going to make you sick. So too much of a good thing. Um, too much passion is actually not a good thing. So it's learning how to, uh, be just more aware of, of what your passion is costing you. And for those interested, there's a great book called The Passion Paradox by Brad Stolberg and Steve Magnus that talks specifically about this. And there's research about um, passion and how to manage your passion. Okay, fantastic. No, that's good. Thank, thank you for that. So if, if people wanted to find out more about Sonia, where, where could they go? You mentioned you've got a podcast. What was the podcast called? The podcast is called The Sonia Looney Show, and it's about how to live a high-performance life. My website is the best place to go. It's sonyalooney.com. You can find Moxie and Grit there. Um, I also eat and promote plant-based nutrition and healthy habits. You can find that stuff on there. You can find my um, Instagram, which is sonyalooney and the number one. Um, I'm pretty easy to find online. So thanks, thanks to the listeners. And if you heard something here that you have a question about, feel free to reach out. I answer every single email I get. So I love it. Oh, fantastic. So just, I've got a question. What's plant-based nutrition? Uh, plant-based means I don't eat meat, dairy, or eggs. And I watched a documentary about seven years ago called Forks Over Knives. And it was about just how a lot of the, the diseases people die from, uh, cancer, heart disease, uh, type 2 diabetes, or even some of the brain diseases like Alzheimer's, like some of these can be prevented and most of these things can be prevented with diet alone. So like you don't have to get old and decrepit and die like this painful death. Um, a lot of people say, I don't want to get old because it looks awful, <laughs> but it doesn't, it doesn't have to be that way. So basically like as long, if you already have a disease, the protocol is different, but if you just want to be healthier and live longer and feel better, just eat more plants and you'll feel better. And it's, it's, it's up to you. Like, what extreme you want to take that to or like what length you want to take it to. 
Um, I was afraid when I changed my diet about six years ago, cause I was a professional athlete. Like what if I don't get enough protein? What if I, you know, get become malnourished? Like this is my job. And the weird thing was I actually got faster and I started winning more races after I changed my diet. And I've been the healthiest I've ever been in the last six years. So I, I love it. And I've just heard so many success stories from people and also people who have like been on high blood pressure medication or have had like end stage heart disease and were sent away basically to die and they changed their diet and they didn't have to take pills anymore. Like their life was prolonged by like decades. So it, it's, it's cool stuff. So if you're interested, um, there's a lot of information now about plant-based nutrition. And if you're not interested, just eat some more plants and you'll feel good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So just on that one, what's your favorite plant? Oh man, that is a really tough question. It depends thought, on the day. I, I, thought, I thought I'd save the best question for last. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, right now I'm actually really into fruit because it's summer and I love, I live in the Okanagan in uh, Canada where it's the growing region. It's like the Napa Valley of California, but it's in Canada. So we have like fresh cherries and fresh peaches and um, wineries and all kinds of stuff. So I'd say right now, um, some of the fresh fruits, but I love mushrooms. Um, and I love, uh, oh gosh, I love broccoli. <laughs> I know that sounds crazy, yeah. <laughs> but I love broccoli. Okay. So, so when, when you say uh, plant, but it's, it's fruit and veg. Is that? Uh, fruit, veg, whole grains, beans, um, nuts, like Basically, there's a lot you can eat. Just basically, you don't eat eggs and you don't eat meat and you don't eat dairy. You can eat tofu. You can eat tempeh. There's like tons of plant-based options out there that are made of wheat or soy protein or beans. Um, yeah, there's a lot of options. Like it's it's pretty awesome, and the food is really good. Yeah, and, and you're quite you're really quite passionate about it as well, aren't you? Is, is that because of the results that you've had from it? Is that is that what's driven this passion? Yeah, for sure. And again, like people just ask. Like I actually ate that way for. Um, four years before I even told anybody how I was eating because I didn't want people to be like, oh God, like a vegan, Ugh. <laughs> because that's how I felt about it um, at first. So yeah, I started, started talking about it a couple years ago and most people want to be healthier. And I think the important thing to say is like, look, you don't have to give up meat, dairy, eggs, fish, like you don't have to give that up a hundred percent, but if you just eat less of that, it's going to be better. Um, I actually self-published and uh, wrote my own cookbook this year. So that's on my website as well. But it's just like easy, delicious uh, meals. And a lot of people that buy it don't eat plant-based. And I have a Plant Power Tribe Facebook group as well. And it's free. And there's like 1600 plus members in there. And most of those, and not all those people are plant-based either. It's just like, most people just want to like find healthier meals to eat so that they feel better. And just helping people feel better is, it's really cool to be somebody that can help. Yeah, fantastic, fantastic. No, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll, I will have a little read of that later on. So, okay. you, you said sixteen thousand people in a, in a Facebook group. Um, oh, sixteen hundred. Sorry, sixteen sixteen hundred people. Sorry, my, my ears. Um, how many people are in your are in your network currently that you're that you're influencing? Oh, that's a good question. I'd say collectively across everything, probably over a hundred thousand people. Yeah, it's pretty it's pretty awesome. I mean, it's it's taken a long time to build up to this, and as I mentioned, like it started with blogging back in the day. Like I started a blog back when I was an engineer, when I had to HTML code the website myself. Yeah, <laughs> so wow. I've, been, I've been at this for a long time. Yeah. So is, is that the secret to getting a over a hundred thousand um, uh, people to, to, to like and follow what you do? Is it longevity? Is it the, the fact that you started with blogging? Is it about the passion, about the subject? What, what is it that's got to a hundred thousand people? 
I think it's about providing value for the people that follow you. You're not like a lot of people are trying to build followings so, because they want to look cool. And I, I'm sorry if that is offensive or sounds bad, but like, don't do it for the popularity because like, look, social media platforms are changing all the time. And if you put everything, you put all your stock into that, it can be really frustrating and it can be really hard on your ego. So like focus on just like putting stuff out there that's going to help people in multiple different ways and the people will come if you're providing something that's of value. And um, if not, then maybe you should try to change things up a little bit. Yeah, fantastic. I'm definitely not doing this podcast for popularity. It's only my <laughs> mum that it, it's only my mum that listens to it. Um, so, Hi, so yeah, yeah. So when my mum does listen to it, uh, what's what's your web web address again, just for for people that want to uh, find out a bit more about you? It's www.sonyalooney.com. Fantastic. Fantastic. No, thank, thank you very much. I'm con- conscious of the time. You're a, you're a busy, popular girl. Um, oh, so what, what have you got planned for the rest of the day? Uh, well, I have to take my bikes to the bike shop to get them worked on. How, um, how, many, ba- how many bikes do you have? How many bikes does a world champion uh, ooh, mountain biker have? A lot. <laughs> uh, well, probably like seven bikes, I would say. Oh, They're wow. kind of like you kind of need a tool like for different jobs, right? There's like a mountain, there's mount, there's different types of mountain bikes with different amounts of trout, like suspension, depending on what type of riding you're doing. There's road bikes, gravel bikes, cyclocross bikes. The joke in the cycling world is you need N plus one bikes. Yeah. <laughs> You've got more bikes than I've got shoes. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I, have, I have like some writing to do today and I got some work to do with my Moxie and Grit brand. I kind of do a little bit of everything every day, which definitely keeps me uh, entertained. Like no day is the same. <laughs> no, I, I was going to ask you earlier on what is a typical day, but then I thought when you started with all of the things that you, uh, that you do, I don't think there is a typical day is there. No. And I actually like that. I, I don't like, I, I have a little bit of a routine, but not really. And I used to thrive in routine and knowing the future, like the whole like engineer thing of like, yes, I have my routine. I know where, where things are going, but I've realized that for me, like that now that doesn't work for me anymore. Like I don't like having, um, everything like planned out for me. I like trying to figure it out as I go and having the room to, to grow and change and, um, if I want to work on something different then I can. And that's, that's an awesome thing about being your own boss is that you get to choose what you want to work on. But you know, there's, there's downsides. Like (laughs) you have to, you're in charge of your own income. So if, if you don't get a contract or your products aren't selling or, you know, things like that, or a big expense comes up, like you don't have a guaranteed paycheck every month to make sure that it's going to be fine. So it's, it's been interesting learning how to feel more comfortable amongst the the chaos of uh what it's like to be an entrepreneur or a freelancer yeah yeah no i understand that completely completely no so um like i said i am conscious of the time you've got bikes to get to the bike shop um you've got um 17 other jobs to get to today as well so i will uh i'll not ask you any more questions but i just wanted to say thank you very much again for your time um that's been uh, it's been amazing to understand a little bit more about you, um, how people can follow you, and, and a little bit of, in, of an insight into the into the life of uh, and, and times of, uh, of Sonia Looney. So much appreciated. Have an amazing rest of your day, and hopefully I'll uh, I get the chance to speak to you again. Yeah, thanks so much for having me on the show, and thanks for the list. Thanks to the listeners, and good luck with your podcast. This is awesome, and I really enjoyed being a guest. Cheers. Thanks very much, Sonia. Look after yourself. Thanks for listening to Business Problems Solved. You can contact Lee on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. 
by searching for Lee Horton, the business problem solver, or via visiting www.leehorton.com for more content and to solve your business problems. And remember, saying you know how to do it is not doing it.